It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. Yes! Caught! Touchdown! They did it! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Welcome back from the long weekend, holiday weekend. Hope been, you enjoyed it. It's been forever since I've you know stood in front of this mic. <laughs> it's like, geez, am I ever gonna talk sports again? I know it's been I a like, minute. I like took a big break from it. Like I was actually, although to be honest, I actually watched more sports over the weekend than I usually do. Usually it's just Utah State and maybe the Patriots. I probably watched like seven or eight different games: soccer, football, college basketball. There, there was a lot going on yeah. on the holiday weekend. Yeah, watch. There's some great college basketball tournaments going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't win well for some, win well for others in terms of Mountain West college basketball. Well, yes. Uh, but uh, Full Court Press text line is open, a busy hour, last hour, with your responses coming through and questions, 435-339-0321. Uh, we had a, a text the tail end of last hour that asked a lot of really interesting questions that I want to get into because I think these are good discussion uh, topics. So 6543 asked if there are too many bowls and what should the criteria be for postseason opportunities? I'll just put it that way. So the criteria has been six wins. And if you get to six wins, you become bowl eligible. And usually if you get to six wins, you go bowling. It's a rare case anymore that if you get to six wins that you don't go to a bowl game. It's happened, but it's rare. Yeah. Are there too many bowls? I'm honestly mixed. On the one hand, I think that a bowl game should be a reward for your regular season success. But just making mediocrity doesn't sound like a reward for success. We're rewarding a lot of teams for barely being mediocre. And that doesn't really seem like that's much of an achievement. Now, when you look at Utah State and what they did and what they overcome to become bowl eligible, yes, it's exciting that they're going to a bowl game despite the way this thing started. But I would like it to say, personally, I think it should be if you have a winning record, you get to go bowling. I do think there are too many bowls. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you look at college football and college basketball, in bowl sports there's this you know, achievement, you know, NCAA tournament for college basketball, bowl games for college football. For college basketball, making an NCAA tournament game is a much bigger deal than it is for college football making a bowl game. Because if you're a mediocre team in college football, you make a bowl, you're guaranteed. In college basketball, you can win 30 games and potentially not make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, You know, especially if you're obviously in a one bid league so it's a big deal and so it'd be interesting if you tried to raise the bar for college football 
Granted, there's people that are trying to lower the ball for college basketball, which I am in all ways opposed. Because there's a certain sanctity to it. Like, if you're a good team, you will generally make the bowl or the, the tournament. Right. With some obvious exceptions with one-bid leagues. But that's something you just kind of have to accept. With college football, it's like maybe raise the standard a little bit because 82 teams will play in bowl games this year. And there's, what, 131 yes. FBS teams? More than half, well over half, will make a bowl. And most of them probably didn't deserve it. Like, would you consider this season for Utah State a success? Not really. You know, if Utah State made the NCAA tournament this year in basketball, would that be a success? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's this, again, there's this differing standard. Right. Where you measure college basketball teams by tournament appearances, and you measure college football teams, or at least programs, you measure programs by these two metrics. And they're wildly different. Yeah, Utah State can say 10 of 12 years, we've gone to bowl games. And if you were to apply that same to basketball, saying 10 of 12 years you've been to the NCAA tournament, that means something very different. Yeah. It's like we say, what, it's three times in 10 years? One of which obviously didn't happen, but... You know, three qualifications in 10 years or so. That's enormous. That's like program altering. You know, they, they qualified three years in a row. That's, you know, give the man the key to the city. And then he left for Salt Lake City. <laughs> but, you know, that that's the kind of attitude you had toward the program. Make three straight bowl games here in Utah State. It's like, yeah, we're on the up and up. And that that's the attitude. Yeah, when all you have to do is just be the definition of mediocre. Win as many games as you lose, and, and you get rewarded. Um, it just—I I don't know. I—I I, I understand there is a lot of benefit to it. There's no question. If you, based on the criteria that is in place right now, yes, you should go to a bowl game, get the payout. Although that's a little bit mystical, it's not really what it means. But you get extra time with your players. You get to go to a destination. That's unique. You get to play somebody you don't normally get to play. It's something, a feather in the cap. It's a recruiting thing. There are a lot of benefits to going to a bowl game, and as the criteria are set, you have the opportunity, yes, you should go. Yeah. But does it mean as much as going to the NCAA tournament? Heavens no. Uh, If you had to be a winning program to go to a bowl game, then it would mean more. And I think it really would be a celebration of success. Whereas right now, a lot of teams go just for being mediocre, which dilutes it. And I agree. I think there are too many bowls. Yeah, and so that's where you know, I would like to see an evening out of what it means to go to a bowl game in terms of what it means to go to the NCAA tournament. Because if you were to raise that level, you'd probably say teams would have to win eight or nine games. Um, or maybe a ranking system that, you know, maybe just say, okay, if you went seven and six but played a hardest heck schedule, maybe you're – Maybe you get it anyway. But it's like, th- there is another part. I mean, this is where, you know, you said you're mixed. I'm kind of mixed on it, too, where it's like, you know, part of the magic of the NCAA tournament is you get a bajillion games in a quick su- in quick succession. Yeah, true. And college football is able to generally match that through its bowl season, where you have like a month of football games like every day, which is nice. Granted, it's weird because... When March Madness comes around, everyone's like, oh, so much college football, and they're all celebrating. And then bowl season comes around, you get a bunch of people like, yeah, there's too much football on. 
because apparently there's the thing is too much college football. Because we have this you know argument every year: are there too many bowl games? And yeah, there kind of are, but there's also way too many NCAA tournament games. But nobody cares because we like it. Right. Um. Yeah. So I I- interesting questions, and I appreciate the being posed. Uh, I, you know, but you. But fact of the matter is, Utah State's going to go to a bowl game. Where they go is still up in the air. It seems to be Frisco is the leading contender right now. At least it seems to be popping up in more places than than anywhere else. Potato Bowl is still a, an option. New Mexico. Um, I, there's one that's even throwing out the Boca Raton, which would be you know pretty far uh, for travel. Be difficult for fans to get to. But um, I don't know. I mean, just something to to, to think about. In uh, teams that you may be facing, teams that you wouldn't normally have on your schedule. Uh, a couple more texts coming through on the topic. Nine three one five texting in. Um, this, uh, well, a couple texts here, I guess. Will there be any changes to coaching staff for USU football? What happened at the BYU? Um, I guess their defensive coordinator is is being let go at BYU. Will there be changes at, with the USU football staff? I would imagine just because that's the nature of college football. Nothing. It was really rare to see so many coaches return this last season compared to the success they had a year ago. It's just that's the life of college football at an institution like USU. Yeah, I don't think there will be anything in the way of firings. Any coaching turnaround will be just the coaching turnaround that always happens. Assistant coaches go be assistant coaches somewhere else. Position coaches go maybe become coordinators somewhere else. They're all trying to go up the coaching tree. Some of them are going to get some of them are going to get their first chance this year. And, and some, you know, maybe a coordinator at USU gets a chance to be a coordinator at a P five program. Yeah. So and, I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard. Um, I, I think it would be great to keep the coordinators, um, but uh, don't know. I haven't heard. And it's impossible for me to speculate on that. Uh, also adding first responders bowl, I think that would be the best for longer practices or the New Mexico for payouts. Yeah, certainly Utah State would love a big payout here. They could certainly use that. Got to up that, got to up that budget. <laughs> uh, 8739. Uh, have you talked or were you aware Green Canyon is looking for a new head football coach? Maybe you should ask the Green Canyon head football coach if that rumor is true. Uh, yeah, I've heard that Coach Ander is out. Yeah, I heard that as well. Uh, 4086. Uh, somewhere warm for a bowl, please. Frisco Bowl be- against SMU would basically be a home game for them. Yeah, it would. And Frisco is probably the warmest of all those. Because when I went there in 2019, it was 50s, 60s. So not bad, but it's West Texas. It's not. <laughs> it's not like you know Central South Texas where it gets pretty warm. It's closer to New Mexico weather. Uh, five eight seven nine. Doesn't FBS stand for Football Bowl? Yes, Football Bowl Subdivision. Yeah. What FBS stands for? So everyone goes to a bowl. So it's all. We're all about the bowls. Everybody gets to go bowling. They named the dang division after it. And I've always contended they should take the two worst teams and have them play each other for the toilet bowl. One more chance to not be the worst. <laughs> uh, 9310. 
Uh, I agree there are maybe 10 too many bowl games, but if organizations are willing to pony up the money and uh, uh, put up a, a whole bowl game, I'm not opposed to more. I don't get how a bowl can host a couple of 6-5 and five teams from towns nobody's ever heard of, at least, you know, of the major, you know, or six college football teams. landscape. Yeah. What did I say? Six and five. Six but. and five, yeah. Six and six. Like, like, how do they make money? Like, seriously, how does ESPN make money off of the Frisco Bowl? I think they own the Frisco Bowl. Or they own pretty much every They bowl. own most of them, vast majority of them. So, like, let's say Utah State plays, um, I almost said St. Mary's for SMU. <laughs> <laughs> SMU Southern Methodist in the Frisco Bowl. How does ESPN make money off of that? Not, I mean, they'll they'll probably get ticket sales from SMU, so I guess that one's not the greatest example because they can at least get some ticket sales. But let's say Utah State played on like Memphis or something like that in that bowl, where it's like, you know, like how are they making money off ticket sales? How are they making money off media rights? Like, how do you make money on something like that? I think the biggest one is the media rights. The ESPN owns the rights, and so they get to broadcast it and sell commercial inventory. Uh, but as I said earlier, there's, there's kind of a it's a bit mystical as to what these payouts really are because we see these lists about well, this bowl is going to pay six hundred and fifty thousand, and this one's going to pay eight hundred and fifty two thousand four hundred and thirty two dollars. You know these weird numbers, but. A good chunk of that is that it's based on ticket sales, and they will have an allotment for the participating schools, and it's based on how many tickets they can actually sell. If they don't sell their allotment, they're kind of on the hook for that, and so they don't get that bowl payout like we think they do get. So there's also travel, and there's other things that sometimes it's a it's a net negative to go to a bowl game. A lot of times, uh, only when you get to those bigger payouts when you're pay, playing up against a P5 school do you normally start to get some net positive. Well, do you also have to split the bull payout with the conference too? Well, and each conference is a little bit different how they do revenue sharing. Yeah. Which, granted, that means Utah State gets split from, if that's the case, they get split from other teams' bowls too. So yes, that can kind of even out. But still, it's like, how much money are you actually getting? Of the what eight hundred thousand for the New Mexico Bowl or whatever it was, um, yeah, it's bowl games are a weird business because it doesn't seem like they're profitable. They must be, otherwise they wouldn't do it. Yeah, we wouldn't have forty-one bowls if they yeah. weren't making some money somewhere. But maybe that's why ESPN's doing it, is because they're the only ones who can really afford to do this kind of thing, and they see it as maybe a net positive where maybe they're losing money on a bowl here, that there, but there's a uh, you know. They make up for it in the later bowls. Yeah, there's some kind of unknown benefit that makes up for losing, you know, hundred thousand or five hundred thousand on this bowl, where people are still going to ESPN for sports whatnot. So they make it up in like other areas of their business. Right. If you want to advertise in the Rose Bowl, for example, uh, that means you have to also advertise in three or four other meaningless bowls. Yeah. So it's like gotta say packets. All right. So you were. Want to advertise in the Rose Bowl, so that's a million dollars per commercial, and you also have to advertise in the uh, in the First Responders Bowl. Who's playing in that one? <laughs> Got to advertise your lawn <laughs> care business to 
to the first responders board or whatever. To people who are watching in the northern tundra. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of texts coming through on our discussion about bowl games. Uh, 9315, how many starters were out in the Boise game? Uh, did any third-string players play? Um, there were a couple of starters who were out. Uh, Ike Larson did not play. Of course, we know Gervin Hall was dismissed from the team. Robert Briggs did not play. Of course, he's not really considered a starter. Um, uh, MJ Tafisi did not play. Um, so there were some younger guys in the on the defense. Uh, it's mostly- Jalen Royal started ahead of McGriff. He played. McGriff did play, so he was available. He just wasn't a starter. Yeah, it's mostly in the defense that you're really getting – you know, the starters and getting into third string. Like, the defensive line's been on its third stringers for, like, half the season. And the linebackers are obviously that way now with Tafisi. And then the secondary, obviously, you're down to Griffin Hall, Ike Larson, getting all the way down there. Of course, I think Dominic Tatum is down at the end of that list. So that's not the worst third stringer you can have in the world. No, but there were some players out there in the secondary who that's the first time I'd seen them on the field. Yeah, so and that's somewhere maybe you hope for a big turnaround next year. Schedule obviously plays a big part in that because there's a very heavy correlation between Utah State's great seasons and how easy their schedule is. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll see if they can uh, bounce back, not just because maybe easier schedule, but also because there are going to be so many guys that will be stepping into bigger roles that already have experience, where most years when you have these, all right, this is, you got to step into a bigger role. We have no clue who you are, but hope you play well. Well, you've already got film on a lot of these guys. Yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, eight nine six eight. So, how many bowls were created because the larger teams and larger conferences ruled the bowl seasons? Good teams were left out year after year. Only reason BYU made a bowl game for so many years was that the WAC made a bowl for the winner of the WAC and someone else. The Avalanche was on. I mean. I guess certainly some would have been created because there were good teams left out, but after a while they crossed that line pretty far because now there's a lot of there, – there's no good team that misses out on a bowl game, Correct. at least without doing something stupid. We talked about Louisiana Tech and their, yeah. and their decision a few years back. So they missed a bowl, and Boise State, funnily enough, has actually missed a couple of bowl games in winning seasons, but that's just bad luck for them with cancellations and – and uh, little freak cancellations. So, like, there's no good team that misses a bowl game. And if you had 30 bowls, so slice 10 of them off, not a single good team is going to miss a bowl. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of like with the NCAA tournament. I'll go on this rant, and people will say, you know, people complain about the teams that miss the NCAA tournament. It's like, you know what? I don't care how many, you know, quad two games you won Missouri you went 17 and 15 you didn't deserve to get to the NCAA tournament so you know if Utah State had missed a bowl for whatever reason let's say there were too many six and six teams Utah State misses a bowl well cry me a river you went six and six you didn't deserve to get in yeah Utah State is getting to a bowl game because of the courtesy of the system so it's like if there were 10 fewer bowls okay a 7-5 and five team missed a bowl game. All right. Go home. <laughs> I don't care. You, you just need to get show them your sign. 
the Jason Walker. <laughs> Just play better. <laughs> That's right. You would have got that eighth win. You would have been in a bowl. <laughs> You just need the, the Jason Walker motivation. Yeah, so that's what you needed. You should have bought the package earlier. <laughs> uh, but, you know, a lot of these bowls, of course, as we said, ESPN owns the vast majority of these, but um, they have these bowl tie-ins. So, you know, I don't know how much ownership a conference has in a bowl, but, um, you know, maybe back 20 years ago, uh, there was a little bit more of that. Uh, but uh, definitely a different landscape today. Um, 6211 asking, what did USU get for being in the L.A. Bowl last year? So I queried the Mountain West multiple times last year, sent them emails, what was the bowl payout, what's the payout for the conference with their bowl games, and they put me off and put me off. That will be announced at a later date. We're waiting for numbers to come in. They gave me a, a host of excuses, and they never gave me an answer. When I look at the um, businessofcollegesports.com, which has the most recent uh, list of bowl payouts, it says that the L.A. Bowl is still unannounced what its payout is. It was that way last year, and it's still listed as unannounced. They're probably embarrassed because it's probably only like 300000 or something. If they haven't announced yet, it's because they're embarrassed at how low it is. I know it was uh, it was a new bowl. They had a lot of commitments, and then they were going to launch it in 2020, and so and it didn't happen. So last year was its inaugural year, and so it, it could be part of that. They had a lot of fronted costs that they're still trying to recoup, and so they may not publicly announce what that bowl payout is just yet until it gets going. But, look, it was a beautiful stadium. Uh, looked, I mean, well attended. Uh, had a lot of really cool sponsorships attached to it. It looks like it should make a lot of money, but I don't know. And the Mountain West never told me. Yeah, and that's probably because they're embarrassed that that's their title game you know, bowl, and it's probably not that much. <laughs> All right, more on that uh, as well. It was uh, you know Utah State, Boise State. Uh, we got Utah State basketball. How they're doing? Utah Jazz back in action tonight. Certainly, a lot of topics to be had. Love to continue to get your thoughts and your reactions on our full court press text line four three five three three nine zero three two one. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain climb. This is Lance Zollinger, president at Cash Valley Bank. To conquer the mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. This is Ryan at My Mattress, a mattress store recently closed right next door to our Riverdale location. Most people have said how awesome that is for us. I think I disagree. At My Mattress, we love competition. We love it if you shop other places, but also give us a shot. Shop online or go to other stores, maybe even a warehouse sale, but come into My Mattress because we want our shot at winning your business. Come into My Mattress right now and see if better sleep and better pricing are what you'll find. 
One of this year's most popular and in-demand Christmas gifts is sure to be the e-bike. Find the best name in e-bikes, the Yamaha Power Assist Bikes, at Cash Honda Yamaha in Hyde Park. Yamaha e-bikes have superior technology and pure ride performance. Choose the model and style right for you. Yamaha All-Road e-bikes or Yamaha Mountain e-bikes, all backed up by Cash Honda Yamaha's full-service department. Yamaha Power Assist e-bikes, on display and on sale now at Cash Honda Yamaha at the light in Hyde Park. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Nova, Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now is the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac automatic standby generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac automatic standby generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac automatic standby generators. Power you can count on. It's game time, and you're in the locker room, ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust the stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Interesting note, The Athletic and CBS have gone through and ranked every team in college football. 1 through 131. And so it's interesting to note how they rank Mountain West schools. So the Athletic, I'm not going to go through every Mountain West school for both, but for Utah State, uh, the Athletic puts the Aggies at 76. Uh, CBS puts the Aggies at 92. An interesting difference between the two. Yeah, I'd say 90s is not too far off where the Aggies probably are. Below average, but have... Skated by to 6-6 six and six, thanks to some gutsy wins. So the Athletic puts the Aggies at the fifth best team in conference, and CBS puts them at the seventh. Yeah, it's about where they are. So uh, Boise State uh, is still receiving votes in the AP and coaches' polls. They're getting close to the top 25. Um, and uh, Air Force received some votes in the coaches' poll. I believe Fresno received a few votes in the AP. Uh, But for basketball, San Diego State 
uh, lost uh, over the week, this past week. So they dropped in the polls, but they're still ranked in the top 25. But the Aggies are no longer getting uh, top 25 love. Yeah, the guy, hoops. guy who uh, voted for him last week uh, did not vote for him again. Changed his mind. UNLV is getting some love. Yeah, they're, they're that's the weird thing because you look at, I imagine a lot of these voters at least utilize some of these, you know, the Ken Palm and whatnot and a few other rankings. UNLV, they're rising fast in some of those. Again, I put out my little average rankings thing again this week where I take it. There's four different computer rankings and I take the average and, you know, rank all the teams and UNLV is quickly rising, but still not on the level of Utah State. According to Ken Pomeroy today, San Diego State 17, Utah State 45, Boise State 67, Colorado State 82, UNLV 86, New Mexico 90, Nevada 93. Those are your top your teams in the top 100 in the Mountain West. Yeah, and you look at the average rankings, Utah State's at 44, UNLV's at 79. And UNLV's got six points in the AP poll, four in the coaches' poll. They're seeing something in UNLV that obviously some of these other people clearly aren't. Well, UNLV does have a what you'd call a notable win, beating a top 25 Dayton. Uh, Utah State does not yet have a notable game on its schedule. And really might not until conference play I mean maybe if things go well and go uh, uh, perfectly when they're in Hawaii they might get Iona and Washington State and those would help but Utah State really hasn't they haven't even played a quad one game yet tell you that UNLV went over Dayton uh, well I mean Dayton's three and four right now Ah. So it's a little fool's gold there for Dayton. There. So it's very much a they beat a ranked team, and they're just going to have that, and people are going to vote for them in the top twenty-five based off of that, and forget the fact that Dayton may end up having a losing record. <laughs> Granted, they're playing tough teams in this three-game losing streak. They lost to Wisconsin, NC State, and BYU. Those aren't the worst teams in the world to lose to, but still, you lost to them. And Dayton's wins are Lindenwood, SMU, and Robert Morris. It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's Dayton bit, may not a be a top of 25 gold. team there. But if you beat a team that's in the top 25, it stays on your schedule as you beat this team when they were top 25. That's how they format the schedule. True. 8968, texting in. Uh, back in the, uh, the late 60s and 70s, under uh, nowadays standards, most of the Aggie teams would have had a bowl game. Yeah, I was looking Very at this. True. I mean, under John Ralston, they would have gone to several bowls. They had, of course, they went to two bowls under Ralston. Had nine wins a couple of years. They went to a couple of bowl games. Then they had you know, a couple of eight-win seasons, eight, seven, you know, a bunch of seven, eight-win seasons. By today's standards, yeah, they probably would have another seven, eight bowl games under their belts. But they don't. They only have two way back in the 1960, 1961, and the 1946 Raisin Bowl which I don't think is an official NCAA bowl. Hmm. So technically, when Utah State 
whatever they say their number of bowls they've been to is, technically the number is one less. Because one of those wasn't a sanctioned bowl. Not really sanctioned? Yeah. Uh. Um, but uh, for Utah State, I mean, they end the season 6-6. Six and six. Had Boise State on the ropes. Uh, then just a couple of disastrous plays late in the game. Uh, looks very different than how that game played out. Definitely things to build upon. A number of trick plays that they tried and uh, would have been awesome had they been executed properly. Uh, right play call, just just not quite enough execution. Um, but um, a lot of youth and, and, and relatively younger players and experienced players got quality snaps for Utah State in a 6-6 six and six season. Um, now how many of those how many of those guys come back or you know decide to stick around and not into the transfer portal is still unknown but um, there's a lot that bodes well for the future of Utah State football based on young guys who got some you know, real real credible experience and and we could see them grow and improve as the season went on yeah we'll definitely see you know how the Aggies you know rebuild over the offseason or try and retain their talent. You know, not losing people to transfers are going to be a huge thing because there's going to be young players that maybe they try and, you know, go be a star somewhere else. But, of course, they're going to have that same opportunity here. There's going to be holes to fill with guys who are graduating, leaders and players that are going to leave. But there's room for these young guys to come in and have a bounce back year next year, seven, eight wins next year. That's a realistic possibility where the new guys stepping into bigger roles have experience, have development. They're not going to make the same mistakes early on that might cost you a win early in the year. And if Utah State brings in some good transfer players, you know, every year they got to find, you know, another Brian Cobbs, another one of those, or, you know, another linebacker, defensive lineman, a, you know, somebody in the secondary. If they're able to do that well in terms of bringing guys in the transfer portal, develop the young guys they have, they can have a solid roster next year. So we'll see how they fill those holes. They're going to have to fill the offensive line where they're losing like three, four people on the offensive line. They're going to lose some people on the defensive line. They're going to lose a couple linebackers, lose some guys, key guys in, this, in the secondary. As long as they can replace those guys with some transfer portal and some development, they'll be perfectly fine. Because it's not like they're losing any superstars. Like what superstars do they have that they're losing? Yeah, no, that's a fair question. Uh, superstar, yeah, I don't know that I can answer that. I think they're losing some good players, but stars, yeah, probably not. Yeah, so it's like, and you also get some guys back who were lost to injury early, either in the spring or as the season was going early on, and uh, uh, all things considered, getting them back will help in having experience and depth. Yeah, so this this team. Could very well have a bounce back year. Is it going to be a bounce back to 10 wins? Let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but it would be in the cards if these young guys develop well and if they land some good transfer portal guys. So there's a lot to build on with this. Now they still have to do it because next year you can't use young guys as an excuse anymore. This year they could use that excuse. And Anderson's been leading on that a lot where young guys making mistakes, the old Ty Corbin approach. And there's merit to that. I'm not saying he's using it as a crutch when he shouldn't be. There's merit to saying young guys make mistakes, we lose games. But next year, that's not going to be as much of an excuse. Because, all right, these young guys played games last year. They need to perform. If they do, solid season. 
contend for a Mountain West championship. But you still got to play the games. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Yes, very true. Uh, all right, another quick timeout. When we come back, some uh, interesting stuff that you dug up about Stephen Ashworth and his impact and how he compares to others around the country, which is really interesting. Uh, update on the Utah State men's basketball team and the Utah Jazz in our, are in action tonight. Can they get back in the win column, or are we starting to see this team as they really are after the uh, the, the the bloom is off the rose a little bit for this team? 435-339-0321. Hi, this is James with White Pine Funerals. We're excited to host our annual holiday concert featuring a choir and musical ensemble by Jay Richards. All are welcome to attend free of charge. We extend a special invitation to anyone who is missing a loved one this holiday season. Food donations are encouraged at the door for the Cash Food Pantry. Back-to-back performances will take place at White Pine on Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. That's Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. Happy Holidays from Birch Creek Golf Course. For your golfer this Christmas, I invite you to visit birchcreekgolf.com. Birch Creek's online store offers punch passes that are on sale at the spring sale price, as well as driving range passes and discounted golf lessons from our PGA teaching staff. So for your golfer this Christmas, I invite you to visit birchcreekgolf.com and enjoy Birch Creek's virtual online store. And happy holidays from your friends at Birch Creek. Cycles and Sleds is hosting a huge three-day grand opening and snow show at their new location this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Stop by and see the brand new showroom at 3475 North Highway 91 in Hyde Park. There will be big discounts on motocross gear and snow gear during the grand opening. The new location means better selection on gear and additional service bays. That's the Cycles and Sleds grand opening snow show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Find out more online at cyclesandsleds.com. As a small business, achieving your financial goals and ambitions can be a steep and rocky mountain to climb. This is Brett Green, president of Cash Valley Bank. To conquer this mountain and achieve your goals, it takes planning, hard work, and discipline. At Cash Valley Bank, we have the resources, expertise, and flexibility to help you scale your way to success. Give us a call. Let's work together and climb the mountains that await. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient as well as the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options and the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. Which local high schools do you follow and support? Find your favorite high school logoed items at the Locker 42 North store. Yes, Locker 42 North has high school logoed hoodies, t-shirts, blankets, and more. Green Canyon, Mountain Crest, Logan, Ridgeline, and Skyview can all find their high school logos on apparel at Locker 42 North. And high school logoed items make great Christmas gifts. Logoed items from all your favorite high schools exclusively at the Locker 42 North store, 1430 North Main, next to Little Caesars. Talk the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. At Mountain West Motor, every truck and SUV is unique. It has been customized just to help make sure you're ready for your next adventure. 
Now you'll be equipped with all the right gear, like traction boards, rooftop tents, racks, outdoor jacks, and a whole lot more. Go check it out. They're at 615 North Main in Logan. That's Mountain West Motor. Uh, or you can also check them out online, mwmotor.com. So a couple texts that came through on our Full Court Press text line that somehow I skipped, and I apologize. But uh, 2947, Aggie football should have two more wins than they got by beating Weber State and UNLV, but they also should have one or two more losses, either to San Jose or Air Force. All in all, it was somewhat lackluster of a season, but it could have been a lot worse, and I think the future is bright. You're both right. Bowl games are massively overrated, but it's all we have, so we have to get some joy from it. Yeah, a couple of really good points. Utah State, uh, yeah, certainly stole a couple games and gave away a couple of games. That kind of goes to show sometimes those things even out. You win when you shouldn't have, you lost when you shouldn't have. And, yeah, it's also nice for him to agree with our bowl game picks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not too much to add. I certainly agree. Uh, 9315 asking, uh, what is going on with USU women's basketball? They're having a rough go. It's, yeah, it's rough. At, I f- it's bad. My disappointment is immeasurable. Yeah. Uh, big changes. I mean, they had staff turnover, almost entire staff turnover, almost entire roster turnover, and uh, not a whole lot to show for it yet. Yeah, there's that's that's a whole situation and a half. Yeah. Uh, another text. How the Aggie players look in the bowl game show that players are improving if they do well. How the Aggies player look in the bowl game show that player are improving if they do well. I think I understand that. I mean, on, on an individual basis, yeah, there's going to be some some growth. I don't know if we'll be able to see too much of the young players. Like, we won't be able to see too much of the young players in terms of stats and things like that. Most of it will be on they play like 10 snaps. You get an idea. Um, you know, not too many snaps. So you can see some things. It's not like we're having young players being starters. That's not happening as much. It, going to a bowl at this point, a bowl game for USU and Blake Anderson will be to reward the players that have stuck it out and been through a lot. So you'll see more veteran players play than younger players as a launch pad for next year. Yeah. So it's like now, we're gonna. It's, it'll be a little bit of a mix. But it's mostly going to be before the more veteran players. Yeah, we're probably not going to have a coming out party for any of the true freshmen. No. Now, practice-wise, and again, in spelling some of these veteran guys, we will see the younger players. But you're not. You're probably not going to see, you know, a ten tackle game from some, you know, lower level linebacker, defensive tackle, defensive back, or a hundred yard receiving game from a Jalen Royals or whatnot. Right. It's going to be what you've been seeing. It's not going to be something abnormal. Where it's like all of a sudden all these young guys play. Yeah. Or now all of a sudden none of the young guys play. Yeah. So it's going to be what you've been seeing. Yeah. And in a way it can be a launching pad, but it's more of the relative launch pad to where what most guys get is, which is nothing. (laughs) These guys will actually have something to stand on. Well, and really it's in the practices. It's basically it's a second spring. Uh, It's a jump start to spring. Yeah, get a week or two or sometimes more, again, depending on when, you know, if bowl game's on the 27th, that's a couple weeks of practices. They just get to hunker down and work on stuff. And where we're likely bringing back most of the coaching staff, 
that's more time with this system and then and more time in the weight room instead of saying you're done go home you get an extra month of training uh looking at film developing yeah Yeah. so yeah it'll be good for these young players and obviously a nice send-off uh hopefully a nice send-off hopefully they win be a nice send-off for some of these guys yeah to get to a winning record uh eight nine six eight Aggies stole a lot of football games last year or just played hard enough not to let them get away. Yeah. Yeah, I think and, that's fair. And that's that's sort of what ESPN thought. They thought Utah State was like a six and six team that bumbled its way into eleven wins. That was their opinion of the Aggies last year, which that is a bit of the staple of Blake Anderson is they win games they're kinda not supposed to. This year they lost a couple games they weren't supposed to, and whereas, you know, last year there probably wasn't a single game that they you know, were favored in, they didn't lose, or they lost. Pretty much all the games they lost were, yeah, we kind of expected that. Uh, five eight seven nine. what shot does Logan Bonner have at the next level? No. Uh, at the NFL? No, I don't think he... Uh, I didn't think he had a shot at the NFL after last season. I'll just tell you that. And you can extrapolate my opinion of his chances he, now. He, look, he's a gamer, he's really competitive, but I just don't think he fits the NFL unfortunately. Uh, moving to basketball, uh, Jason, you did some interesting, a uh, bit of a deep dive on the impact that Stephen Ashworth is having so far this season and doing it off the bench for USU, which is kind of a rarity when you compare his numbers to others in uh, college basketball right now. Yeah, he made me change my preview format because I kept, you know, I list the starters for both teams and it's like, well, like last three games, Stephen Ashworth is the leading scorer. Although last time I put the six man for both teams, partly because um, like one of Oral Roberts' bench players is averaging a bunch of points. So I had to alter my format, partly because Stephen Ashworth is leading the Aggies in points off the bench. And that ended up taking me down a bit of a rabbit hole where I was searching, uh, you know, different filters on you know, on StatHead where I was just like, all right, what have bench players done? Well, and of players who haven't started any games, Stephen Ashworth is leading the way in scoring. Uh, he has 19 points. Um, there's a guy whose name I can't pronounce who's averaging 18 and a half points. Another guy, <laughs> there's a bunch of guys whose names I can't pronounce. <laughs> like Jacob Ognisevich, uh, 18 and a half. Brian Sensabaugh, or I think that's how it's spelled, 15.8. Matteo Piccarelli, 14 and a half. So there's some good bench scores, but Stephen Ashworth's leading the way. Um, there is a guy in college who's started one game out of five who's averaging 19.2 points. So he's among the leaders in bench scoring. And then the one that was certainly interesting is the fact that of all Division One players, Stephen Ashworth is one of six who's averaging 19 points, five assists. So And he's doing it off the bench. Like There's a bunch of different filters I could do for things Stephen Ashworth is doing now that everyone else on that list is starting for their team. And it's weird to see all this stuff. You know, you see all these stats I'm posting. Like, oh, Steven Ashworth is doing this. He's shooting 55 and 55% in like 87. He's, he's, he's like three percentages away from being 55, 55, and 90. Um, and you say all this about Steven Ashworth. And if you're just to ask me, hey, Jason, should Steven Ashworth start for Utah State? The answer is no. No, totally agree. And it's incredible that I would say that because there's fit and there's also the, the what Ryland Jones brings to the table. 
where, yeah, he's only averaging like five and a half points, five and a half assists. But there's a defense there, and there's also a playmaking ability he has. That even though Ashworth, I think right now, is averaging more assists, Rylan Jones brings that playmaking, and he brings that fit with the starting lineup. And Stephen Ashworth brings a tremendous value being on the bench that stick with the starting lineup. And I've certainly changed my position because earlier this offseason, I told you like who, do, who I think should start, and I said Stephen Ashworth at point guard. And I've completely changed my mind because I've gone back and went back over last year and was watching games like, oh, yes, Rylan Jones is better than I thought he was. Not so much in scoring, but in other ways. And then seeing it again this year, you know, Rylan Jones still really effective, even though Stephen Ashworth is having an insane season. And he's going to come back down to earth, but this is a guy who could end the season averaging 13, 14 points a game off the bench. Like, he is, you know, cruising towards sixth man of the year in the Mountain West because he is such a dynamic scorer. And it, it's just insane what he's doing right now. Well, Ryland Jones doesn't need to score. It's helpful when he does, yes. But he's not there to be a scorer. He's there to help facilitate the other guys who do that at a better clip than he does. Ashworth, he comes off the bench to be a scorer. And because of sometimes the, the, the defense that he commands and his gravity on the court, that allows him to find other guys open and available. Yeah, that's where he's able to get a lot of his assists, where he's, he's getting assists off of his own creation. Rylan Jones has the best pass vision on the team. He's able to see passes that nobody else can, can find. Maybe Stephen Ashworth is the only other player, but he's also able to deliver those passes. He sees where everyone else is on the court, and it's amazing to watch. Um, the one thing that Rylan Jones, if he's able to keep it up, that would be stupendously valuable is the way he's shooting right now. Rylan Jones hasn't been a good three-point shooter since his freshman year where he shot, like, I think 37 38%. You know, pretty solid percentage. But then he was, like, barely over 30% for his next two seasons, including last year. This year, I think he's in the mid, mid to high 40s three-point shooting. He's able to keep up an above-average three-point shooting. It's incredibly valuable because it gives him at least something he can do on offense that makes teams pay attention to him mm -hmm. because you don't want to be Rajon Rondo out there averaging, you know, you know, barely any points, but like a bunch of assists where nobody has to pay attention to you offensively. They just have to, you know, go get the other guy. It's actually kind of like there was a player on the Utah state women's basketball team a few years back. She's actually the career assists holder at Utah state men's and women's period. It's Eliza West, but she couldn't score. I remember watching a fast break where it was a two-on-one and the defender just went and guarded the other person. <laughs> and they got a turnover on that possession. Oh, gosh. Because they knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen, and it ended up being a turnover because Eliza West couldn't score. But Rylan Jones, in being able to shoot threes, he's able to at least have the defense pay attention to him, and he can do something with that. And it compliments him, and you can't just ignore Rylan Jones out there and play four-on-five. So that's yeah. something where I just want him to at least do that. And it'll be amazing because that'll be enough for him. It was kind of like Abel Porter a few years back where he had a really good shooting year. And he's not as good a passer as Rylan Jones was, but he was able to make defenses pay attention to him, did his job on defense, and did enough facilitating to do his job as a point guard. Uh, good stuff. And uh, we'll see what the rest of the non-conference schedule looks like, according to Ken Palm, what uh, – challenging schedule still ahead for USU or is it going to lighten up compared to what they faced? We'll discuss that quickly coming up next on the Full Court Press.
One of this year's most popular and in-demand Christmas gifts is sure to be the e-bike. Find the best name in e-bikes, the Yamaha Power Assist Bikes, at Cash Honda Yamaha in Hyde Park. Yamaha e-bikes have superior technology and pure ride performance. Choose the model and style right for you. Yamaha All-Road e-bikes or Yamaha Mountain e-bikes, all backed up by Cash Honda Yamaha's full service department. Yamaha Power Assist e-bikes, on display and on sale now at Cash Honda Yamaha at the light in Hyde Park. Holiday parties and events at the Riverwoods Conference Center offer a festive and fun holiday atmosphere. Paired with catering from the Elements Restaurant, your special occasion can include tasty hors d'oeuvres, delicious entrees, and decadent desserts that always deliver excellence. Now accepting reservations for the 2022 holiday season, the Riverwoods Conference Center and Elements Restaurant can accommodate you whether your event is large or small. Visit theriverwoods.com or call 750-5151. Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit jobs.thermofisher.com and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. So Utah State undefeated. One of actually several teams in the Mountain West still to uh, not lose a game yet. Um, But... Looking at the upcoming schedule for Utah State, Utah Tech coming into town. They're 259 in the latest Ken Palm. Um, San Francisco, which will be on Sunday, they're at 89. Loyola Marymount, also from the West Coast Conference, they're at 126. Westminster, lower division, so not available. Weber State, kind of surprising, 255. Uh, and then Seattle at 123. Those are the non-conference games that we know Utah State will have. And, of course, the outcome of that Seattle game will determine other teams that they will play in Hawaii. But um, a lot of quad two games, some quad three games. Uh, but this San Francisco is going to be probably the, the, the toughest opponent yet uh, for Utah State still on the schedule. Yeah, definitely. Santa Clara jumped into the top 100. Um, I think they're just behind San Francisco, like 96, I think. Um, San Diego's dropped. They lost like three straight games. So yeah. my prediction that San Diego would jump into the top 100 and the Kim Palm eventually is not looking good at all. So just have to be happy with the win and leave with that. Good thing the Aggies <laughs> didn't lose. Closed that one out and didn't lose that one. Yeah, but Utah Tech, finally a bit of a relaxing way. You finally get to play a team that isn't like in the top 150 or top 100. Is a team that's you know like what two fifty two fifty nine so it's like it's it's an opponent that you can flex your muscles on. Um, obviously, don't let up, but work yourself back into rhythm after a Thanksgiving break. It's a perfect kind of game for after a break because there's rust. This is a team that was stupidly on fire, and now they have to come back from a break where they certainly could have cooled off, maybe gained a couple of pounds, <laughs> <laughs> uh, work all that off, get back in in. Uh, you know, inform for, yeah, then you're going to have to go face San Francisco. In that six games, five and one or six and oh? 
Say what? In the upcoming the five remaining games, or six, six remaining games of non-conference, Utah Tech, San Francisco, Loyola Marymount, Westminster, Weber State, and Seattle. Say five and one. 